Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Kuta Villa channel. I'm Scott Cooper, and I'm here with Aman Pele and Noah Fisher to discuss Aston Villa versus Brighton from Saturday lunchtime kickoff. What a win. We're inside the top five, and that could be Champions League. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. We've got the women. We've got the game against Everton in the League Cup. We've got um, Europa League coming up this week as well. So all of that and much more coming up. After this. Okay, so yes, we're back uh, on Coup de Villa. And yeah, we've had a couple of games since uh, we were last on. Uh, we had the the Everton match in the League Cup that we'll just quickly touch on. We're sorry we didn't get a podcast out for that one, but... Not a lot to talk about with that game. It was absolutely awful. I don't think you know Unai Emery um, was putting it at the top of his priorities. Noah, um, there was a few changes and some of the worst conceded goals I've ever seen um, under Unai Emery. It was shocking defending, and you know uh, we're out the cup. I mean, it wasn't real Unai Emery football, was it? I just look at that first goal, and I just cannot quite believe they are able to score that and. The atmosphere seemed pretty dead at Villa Park. Mm. Um, I think there was only 27,000. Very expensive tickets. I could hear the Everton fans. Um, they're obviously very up for the Cooper Cup, which mm. now your brother uh, holds the rights to at the moment. So they finally uh, have won the Cooper Cup. And <laughs> the first time we've uh, lost to them since we've been promoted. Yeah, and um, uh, Kamara got his first goal for the club. That was probably the only positive. And I'm actually kind of liked his celebration, even though we were losing the match. He was pretty pumped with the goal and I'm glad he is, you know, pumped and maybe he can get a few more, but um, yeah, it was a shocking game. And um, really we didn't create a lot in that match. We didn't, um, we didn't look bothered at times. And uh, you know, look, I think the less said about that game, the better uh, we'll move FA on. Cup. FA Cup's more important. Yeah, we're going to focus on the FA Cup, the Europa conference league and the premier league and Aman, um, the big, the big one was Brighton, of course, on uh, Saturday, Saturday lunchtime. Um, both teams going in, we've got on good form, um, and you know it's going to be a difficult game. I, I was, you know, a little bit worried, but we totally blew them out of the water in that first half, especially. Yeah, I didn't think we'd. I think all of us predicted a win, right? But obviously mm. not as dominant as what we saw, and. The start of the match, I I got the feeling that it was going to be a tough match, right? Because they, Billy Gilmore and the other eighteen-year-old were kind of running the show in midfield, and I think uh, McGinn and then Kamara, or it might have been Louise, actually like put in some heavy fouls on him, type of thing. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I think they kind of had like free reign for a little bit, and were pressing us quite well. And then I think we quickly realised that yeah, we were getting pressed. Um, and we needed to start playing a bit longer. And then once we started playing longer into those channels and then Ollie, you know, was able to win the first ball, the second ball, they kind of dropped off. Yeah. Which meant we had more space to play through. And then once that happened, we were just, yeah, just totally in control. Like, you know, McGinn just turns around and plays a nice through ball to cash for the first goal, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, back. And I think, you know, I don't even know if he looked up to see if anyone was in the box, but he just got onto the end of a good ball and, like, put it in, kind of back knowing that there was big players being there. But, yeah, totally dominant, uh, yeah, first half. 
Yeah, I mean, that was a great first goal. Um, you know, one of the things we've talked about, Noel, before is, you know, Matty Cash has been really good for a while, but, like, we wanted him to up his levels with his final product, and he's really doing that lately. And I think he's taken his game to a different level. I know a lot of the guys that play FPL um, are getting him in the team because he's uh, he's getting some good points. And, um, yeah, he gets another assist there and uh, got us on the way with, with the goal from Ollie. I mean, I think if you go back to podcasts ago, Scott, I was so for Ollie Watkins. I knew he was going to score goals. And since that podcast, um, it's come true. Four goals in, in two games now, and he's well on his way. I've had him in my FPL all season. Um, that yep. is true. Um, technically got two assists as well on the weekend. How you want to look at that, I don't know. But FPL gave him two assists um, for the right. one was a rebound goal for Douglas Suez and had Matty Cash and Diaby. So I was happy as the first three goals were all from my players involved in it. Diaby got an assist for the own goal as well. So I was laughing. And then FPL kind of went downhill from there with a few people not playing. But onto the real stuff. I don't think I've ever seen us play a more clinical Unai Emery game than that. Yep. I know there's some chances that we might touch on that VAR technically said a bit of talking points and we got lucky. You know, if that's Manchester United, it's not even in the media. It's just an amazing win for, for United. But for us, it's all in the media. Yeah, I mean, the VAR um, on the second and the third goal, Aman, you know, uh, Brighton weren't too happy. And um, we had here in Australia, uh, Peter Schmeichel on, on halftime coverage. And he was saying that the... The second goal for Molly should have been chalked off because Zaniolo was blocking the goalkeeper's view. But um, I didn't think that one, he he was in the sort of vicinity. I, I, that would have been a harsh one to, to uh, chalk off. But I think the next goal, the own goal, um, I think that should have been chalked off because of the foul by Douglas Louise in earlier on in the play. How do you see that one? Um, yeah, just quickly, I wanted to chime in before, but I think... Since Tommy hasn't been on the pod, Watkins has uh, started to score. So <laughs> that's, that's an omen a lot because Tommy is one of his uh, biggest uh, critics, let's call it. Loves mm-hmm. loves to give me uh, some positive criticism. Um, on VAR, yeah, I think the I think if either of those goals like went against us, then you can kind of see why that is the case, right? I think yeah. we're on the end of those goals. We're probably not going to be happy, but... That's that's football. That's the luck of the draw. Sometimes you're gonna get things that go your way, and unfortunately, I mean, you look look and see what happened in the Liverpool Tottenham game. You're gonna get things that don't go your way, and yes, you know, going back to the goal against Sheffield United and mm. uh, uh, what's his name, Neeland and stuff. We got lucky there, and maybe we got a bit lucky on the on the weekend as well. But I can give countless examples of us uh, copping there shit end of the stick as well. You know, Henry Lansbury against uh, Crystal Palace, you know, springs to mind as well. Uh, Konza getting sent off against uh, Man United for apparently, you know, going in studs up on Fernandez or whatever it is like that. So universe balances itself out. Um, you know, you, you get the good calls, you get the bad calls as well. That's it. I mean, it hasn't been a good weekend for VAR, uh, Noah, but, um, you know, like we won 6-1. I don't think it would have mattered really if... Uh, you know, one or even maybe both of those goals were chalked off. But, um, yeah, I was just really impressed with the way that Emery sort of approached this game because he saw that, you know, 
you know, Brighton are going to have a lot of the ball. That's the way they play. That's um, but you can you can get at them, you know, on the transition once you win the ball back, and the the pace of Watkins, Diaby, you know, these kind of, kind of guys like just to get the ball forward and get it get it up there quickly and you know have lots of shots on goal you know get crosses in the box this sort of thing um it really it really paid paid off for us and um it just shows that you know again that Emery was just going through his rolodexes of 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 ways to play and he found the perfect one again i mean no players like to lose even if it's a like a Carabao cup game no disrespect like the league's way more important than that we want want to finish in Europe and a team like Brighton who were third on the table at the start of that match week, mm. they're no easy beats and they've got a great manager. Like Aston Villa and Brighton are two structurally well-managed sides. And to to look at the scoreline and have beaten them 6-1, I like quite remarkable when like when you think about it, because there have always been close matches between Villa and Brighton. I think we've you know beaten them 2-1 both times last year. We have a quite decent record against them. But I just never quite seeing us blow them out like that. The way Uno Emery plays, just the, the players he now, it's his team now. Mm. You know, he came in last season, signed John Durant. It was like, oh, who's this this guy from America? He's now looking incredibly decent. One preseason of Uno Emery in him. Obviously, Moreno's injured. He's got Diaby. Tillemans is, you know, a little bit disappointing, but he's still got time to settle in. He's not starting for us. And yeah, it's paying dividends. I mean, Diaby has got to be out. I know everyone's the same Mattinson for signing of the season. Yep. But Diaby, I think, has had a goal contribution almost in every game. Like he's scored or got an assist. He's just been incredible. And, and he's going under the radar, you know, extremely like he, under the radar. he's not, he's not getting the sort of the hype of some other no. big signings, but no. you know, he's, yeah, he's contributed in pretty much every game, you know, and um, he's definitely been our most consistent player so far this season. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a worry to see him sort of hobble off, but he'll be, he'll be fine. Yeah. It doesn't look that bad. So um, whereas I've heard um, in some of the, some of the stories going around that Douglas Louise might be carrying a bit of an injury. Um, so I'm not sure if I haven't seen how that bad that is, but yeah. I guess we'll see later in the week against uh, Zarinsky Moscow um, if, who plays. I'm sure there'll be some changes anyway, but um, I, I wanted to talk a bit about the, uh, the second goal, um, the goal from Ollie and just the, the confidence that he's showing now is just so, so different. I mean, when he gets the ball on that left channel, you know, he cuts in and you think, pass, pass it. Diaby's right there, you know. But uh, I kind of do like to see him go for the shot as well because it just shows that he's, you know, full of confidence. He he backs himself. And you can say it's greedy, but, you know, one man's greedy is another one's just clinical striker, you know, that wants to be amongst the goals. So, um, yeah, what did you think of that? And what what did you think of the way he's sort of, you know, portraying himself you know, it, with the confidence at the moment. Uh, yeah, I can jump in with that. Yeah. I think that we've, we've always said that Ollie's a confidence player. Once he gets one, he'll get going and, you know, he scores his goals in batches. You know, he might start scoring and then he might have a cold period again of like three games or whatever it is like that. But he's always, you know, going to be tenacious, going to be in and around the box and he loves that left-hand side channel where he can cut in. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean... Well, we're, we're, it's easy to say when we're watching live, right? Pass, pass, you know, man's open or whatever it is like that. And But when you're playing, when you're in the zone, and I can imagine in the Premier League as well, you know, you, you're in you're in your you're in your head. And he obviously knew what he was going to do once yeah. he came inside, right? 
and you know the shot went in and it was a great goal and maybe another or, you know in another universe or whatever it is the shot mm-hmm. doesn't go in it gets blocked and people say why didn't he pass it but Ollie's not that sort of striker that does that 10 times a game right I think if he does it once or twice and it doesn't come off then the next one he definitely is passing it he is definitely passing it yeah. and you just want to see that from your striker you know your striker's confident you want him to be hungry and he scored countless amount of goals in that same type of action as well. So, yeah, all all four of them doing that, come inside and, you know, beat players. And it's just amazing because I don't rate him technically, but he's still able to come inside and beat two players and still score, right? So, yeah, let him do what he does. You know, he worked on the weekend and all for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, in the second half, Noel, we um, came out a little bit slow. Uh, you know, uh, Brighton scored and made it. 3-1 and I was starting to think, ooh, um, we might have a game on here. But, um, you know, that sort of little flurry from Brighton lasted maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then um, we get the uh, the fourth goal from Ollie again. That's his hat-trick. This one on his left foot this time. Um, and um, it was a lovely little move. McGinn chipping it over the top. And I thought when McGinn played the pass, I was like, hit this first time, Ollie. It's like, you're on a hat-trick. It's going to, it's on your right foot. I thought he was just going to leather it. And, you know, but he took his time. He took a touch, got it on his left. And again, it shows, shows an element of confidence from him. I mean, Brighton were always going to start pretty hot in that second half. I mean, we've seen it when we were playing under Gerrard. For some reason, we used to always start the second half well. It's just the manager's spray, I guess. Like when you're not playing well, what's mm-hmm. the last thing you wanted to come out and start the second half for? No, I thought our goal was quite sloppy to concede. But again, Brighton were all over us for that period of the game. And I think I remember saying it to you boys that like a goal's probably coming here. Like Anthony Fatty came on. He's someone that Barcelona thought was going to be the next little Messi. Like he's got something about him. Like if he was that, he's now at Brighton doing his, his thing there. And with the the uh, our fourth goal, which kind of obviously sell the nurse, because like you, Scott, I thought, geez, if Brighton get another one here, mm. you know, sneakily, they're back in the game because they can do that. They're such a good side. And to be 3 up at half time, I couldn't quite believe it, let alone the final score. I think yeah. Watkins, he took the ball really well. I don't think the shot was was like a great shot because it took a massive deflection to help it go in. I think um, it would have been saved if it hadn't taken the deflection, but you've got to create your own luck in football. We saw when we beat Liverpool... 7-2, we had, what, three or four deflected goals because if you don't shoot, you don't score, let's be honest mm. with you. And Watkins deserved that hat-trick. He was outstanding. I think he definitely deserved a, a fourth or fifth goal in that game. I know when he missed the one-on-one with, like, the one-on-one and then Louise scored. I'm not sure if you guys actually noticed, but when Louise was off celebrating, Watkins was, like, smacking the turf. Yeah. Like, he was quite frustrated that he'd missed. So yeah. I'm not sure that's a good or bad thing. I think the England manager's there. He's got to be in conversation now um, for him, but I think he's wanting to score another goal. And I do love to see the passion when he's upset he didn't score, but mm. I think he should also get around his teammates and just kind of keep it inside for a little bit because obviously you all know he'd be upset if he if he uh, didn't score. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think it's 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 one of those things where yeah, it's not it's not a problem if he's upset. Just but you know maybe trying to like rein it in a little bit and you know at least get around your teammates, but. Before that goal, of course, from uh, um, Louise, we saw a goal from Jacob Ramsey. Um, lovely goal. Um, I really liked the sub, first of all, because a, it was at that time of the game that um, Brighton was starting to look dangerous and um, have a lot of the ball and create a few chances. And I thought, yes, let's get let's get 
Ramsey on and they start running with the ball a bit more, being a bit more direct into the box. Um, Cause he's like one of the players, you know, in that sort of midfield that can, you know, take the ball and um, drive with it. And the, the way he just took the, took the goal was just beautiful. Yeah. I think Zaniolo didn't really have the best game. Not saying he had a poor game, but compared to the others, probably not the best game. Yeah. Um, and I think Solly March like had had his number pretty much uh, for the game. You know, wasn't able to get get past him or whatever it is like that. And yeah, that's the whole thing about having a squad, having guys like Jacob Ramsey. You know, he's probably a starting eleven player once he's fully fit. But having guys that can come off the bench and make an impact, and we, I think we saw the exact same thing against Chelsea, right? And Sanchez made made the save where he just comes inside on the right. Uh, sorry, from the left and tries to place it in the bottom corner. Uh, Kind of used uh, Webster, I think, as a a shield, I guess, to stop uh, the keeper from seeing the ball as well. But, yeah, glad to see Ramsey uh, back playing. Mm. Uh, Obviously, he played midweek against Everton, right? When he wasn't on the bench either from memory. I think he played Uh, in the cup game. I think he played. Oh, sorry. Oh, it was a Europa League game, I think it was, right? Where we thought maybe... he caught the knock in the game before. Is it bad or something like that? So, yeah, good to see him back, getting minutes in the Premier League. Typical Ramsey goal. Um, you know, uh, Noah spoke about uh, Gareth Southgate being there watching, um, you know, potentially Ollie Watkins and Ezri Consort. You know, Ramsey comes back with a goal like that as well. Does he be a smoky or, you know, Southgate takes a look at him uh, in other games and potentially in another friendly as well. He could get a call up, but yeah, yeah. Well, England, England, of course, playing Australia in that friendly, so that'll be very interesting to us over here. And um, yeah, there is talk that Watkins will be in the squad. Um, Concer probably, I would say, is the next most likely. And then, just because Ramsey's only just come back from injury, I'd I'd say that that would be pretty unlikely. But he he'll be in there sooner or later, Noah, because he he's a wonder kid and um. Boy, um, the way he's come back from this injury and how he was playing before he got injured, like at the end of last season, I was starting to think, oh, he could be our best player or our most important player. And then into the Euros with England on 21s, he was playing really well in that um, in the European Championships, got injured. Unfortunately, England went on to one, win that tournament. And then, you know, he's. I think he's ready for that step up. Oh, he's 100% ready for that next step. I know we we're talking about it mainly after the Newcastle game last season when he just just dominated the midfield that day against a Champions League side in Newcastle. And he's definitely ready. I think give him a couple more games and he'll overhaul our midfield. He's an absolute yep. superstar and nothing Villa fans love more than seeing one of our own uh, play for us. We know we had Jack Grealish for a long time. And and I just think that there's something different about, about JJ and the Villa fans, I reckon. I don't know. I guess because... Grealish left and then this guy's kind of just just come in seamlessly and taken the reins of that like we didn't have to mm. wait quite a long period of time for that and he's he going under the radar he really is and he's just doing his job and I was actually quite like surprised when he scored that goal to be honest because I know like Ramsey's been a goal scorer but he hasn't scored a goal quite like that like normally he's inside the box like ready for the low cross from one of the fullbacks but a curler from outside the box wasn't what I quite expected to see. I mm. expected him to play it off to Dinya and then get the ball into the box in that passage of play. But he does like that um that side foot finish, he that does. sort of finesse finish. Like 
Um, it's it sort of reminds me of a goal he scored against Arsenal when we yes. it was a consolation goal where yeah. it just came to him and he's just like just pass it into the top corner. You know, it's uh, it just looks so like elegant, yeah. doesn't it? Like it just looked looked like he'd done it a thousand times. Like if Frank yeah. Lampard had scored that goal, it wouldn't have surprised you at all. You know, but no. someone like JJ, I think he surprised I, a few people. Yeah, and the way um Aman summed it up that he used Webster to sort of bend it around him. And he sort of had that in his mind from the moment he first got the ball. I'm going to get it and I'm going to look like I could go on the outside. And then when they all shift across, it'll give me that little gap. It was, yeah, wonderful goal and capped off a great game. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Brighton, not just for the VAR, but, you know, they it wasn't a 6-1 drubbing, I don't think, you know, maybe a 3-1, 4-1, you know, but, you know, we, we sort of, yeah, went a bit crazy at the end. Douglas Louise got his goal. He's playing some top quality football. I think he's one of the most underrated midfielders in the league, um, maybe in the world right now. Like he's just so consistent. He does everything well. He, you know, he um and yeah, he's um him and Kamara just really stepping up these last few games. Like Kamara's been excellent again. I thought he, in the first half, especially against Brighton. He was just so dominant. You know, the way he can turn out of trouble when he's, you know, in his own box or even like around his own box in the defensive areas. He's just so cool, so calm. Um, I love the way he's playing at the moment. And him and McGinn and Louise, it's just perfect balance. Perfect it, it, balance. Re- it really is. And Douglas Louise is the first Villa player to score in five consecutive home games. He's the only ever player to do that. So he's quite remarkable. And we've won 10 Premier League games on the trot at home. Yeah. Like Villa amazing. Park has become a fortress. You know, I know we lost in the Carabao Cup or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Screw that. We we take the Premier League. Um, but I tell you what, I want to touch on, on someone's stats since Emery's come in. Yep. 37 games, 21 mm-hmm. goals, seven assists, two hat tricks. That's Ollie Watkins' stats under Emery. That is unbelievable. Now, I, I, I think, I, I think I it's only second. Second to Harlan in terms of goal involvement yeah. since he, but he he cops yeah. a lot of hate for someone that has those mm. stats under Emery. I know his time under Gerard wasn't great, but he still finished last season with what 14 goals, 15 goals. Mm. And he's had it for over the last three seasons and he's going to do it again this year. I hope he actually goes to 20 this year. Cause I reckon he, he has the ability to do it, but first of all, sign your contract, Ollie, before you start exploding like that, like please sign your contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we'll uh, talk about you getting 20 Premier League goals, but like if that is like Harlan, he gets all the accolades for. I know he scored like thirty odd goals last season, but he's an English striker that it was second to Harry Kane with Premier League goals last like since he's been in the Premier League. Yeah, and there's no t- no chatter about him. There's nothing about him. Well, um, you know he has been linked to Arsenal a couple of times and this sort of thing, but yeah, um, I just think he's in a really good spot right now, and you know we're going in the right direction as a team, so. You know, hopefully he can stick around for a lot longer and keep up the goal scoring. Um, I wanted to touch quickly on the women. Uh, it was the start of the WSL this weekend. Um, Villa Park was the first game of the season. They kicked off against Manchester United and unfortunately went down 2-1 in what was a bit of a heartbreaking defeat. But there was some positives. I thought um, Villa played very well in this in this match and were actually the better team for large portions. There was 12,500 fans say, there. Yeah, record was, for a women's game. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and um, I just thought the red card was very, very soft and um, cost us in the end, even though 
Rachel Daly scores a brilliant goal. Um, Adriana, Adriana Leon's got the assist, came on on a debut and, you know, looked quite lively and set, set up um, Daly, who took a nice touch and turn and finish. And But then with the 10-man, we couldn't hold on for those last 10 minutes and unfortunately went down 2-1. But um, I think, you know, Carla Wood's got the team uh, looking good. They've made some big signings over the summer. and um, Really exciting time, Scott. Like yeah. to see twelve and a half thousand at, at Villa Park, that is unbelievable. I think there was over fifty four thousand at the Emirates mm. to see the Arsenal women's team play as well. Yep. So women's football is in a great in a great spot, and hopefully they can you know get twenty five thousand at Villa Park one day. Hopefully this season will be amazing because I know they're still playing games at Warsaw, but how good would it be to have them play every home game at Villa Park if it doesn't overlap? You know, it's, yeah. it should be their home. It really should be. I mean, if they, I think if. You know, if they've got the crowd, I mean, I mean, if they're playing in front of sort of five thousand at Villa Park, then it can start to look a bit, you know, like you know, it's just an exhibition game or some something. You know, it's like nobody's there. But um, yeah, I mean, like in these big matches where you know you're against teams like Manchester United and, and etc., I think yeah, why not play as many games you can at Villa Park and um, and yeah, I'm please get down and watch if you're there because um, it seems to be something really good happening happening there and um really looking forward to that and uh Amar, we got um Zerinsky Mostar in uh, the uh, Ch- uh Europa Conference League coming up on Thursday it's a must win game considering we're currently bottom of the group um and we need a win so um and with only this game and the game against Wolves on Sunday before the international break, do you think he'll put out a strong lineup? Because that's some of the talk I've been seeing around. I think um, when we're not going to see the same lineup as Brighton, no. I'll be surprised if we see that. I think it'll be a change squad, maybe not as many changes as the first game. And yeah. even then, there were there was maybe what five or six changes only anyway, right? So I think there were six changes, yeah. Yeah. So we might only get four changes or whatever it is like that. Because I still think the Wolves game is important to keep momentum going. Yeah. Um, you know, Wolves just beat Man City 2 yeah. 1. Uh, and we've got Wolves and then West Ham. No easy sort of games that we have. Uh, Wolves way right at Bollandew and then West Ham at home at Ville Park. Yeah. So I do think guys like, I think Watkins will get a rest and Duran will start. Um, but yeah, I think Tillman's probably yeah, a play. will come in. Uh, I don't think we'll see John McGinn at left back uh, <laughs> in this game, and Den Donker playing as the other centre back, or or if he did in the first game, I can't remember. Uh, he was playing. I think he was playing like defensive midfield. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 in that match, but, yeah, but I don't think he didn't we'll play. Think... He didn't play very well at all. Yeah. In, <laughs> in that I think we'll see McGinn at left back. Uh, but yeah, I still think he'll. Give some players a second chance, like Tillemans, maybe Dendonka, even. Um, Ramsey might get a start, or he could give Zaniolo a start, which means Ramsey could start a- against Wolves as well. Yeah. Um, I reckon potentially he might start Douglas Louise, just because I know he's one card away from a suspension. And then, you know, does he play him in this game and then, you know, hope he doesn't get yellow against Wolves and. Uh, get gets a yellow against West Ham, so he misses the Luton game. Then it's a bit of like a tactical yellow card or whatever it is, because he's one one yellow card away from suspension. But yeah, I think we'll see a mixed bag between a few guys on the bench and a few guys in the starting eleven. And yeah, 
hopefully, fingers crossed, we should be getting the three points as well. Must win. Yeah, it is a must win. I don't know a lot about them, um, but, you know, they did beat AZ Alkmaar in the first match, so they can't be mugs. And I think, um, you know, we're looking at a pretty difficult group here all of a sudden, you know, um, with that first result against Legia Warsaw, which, you know, to be fair, is probably one of our more difficult games in the group. Um, You know, I think, you know, we're going to have to win these home matches and then hopefully nick a point or two from the others and then that'll be enough to to go through but yeah um i think you know the likes of callum chambers and and longley need to probably sit this one out if i think if it was for me i would i would play the normal back four or back five even uh with emmy and then make a few changes in the midfield and attack maybe but i would try and keep that solid back line um together and um yeah and then if we're two or three nil up you know, maybe make some changes later on the game. But, um, yeah, so let's get on to predictions. Um, So give us a prediction for uh, Zerinsky and then one for Wolves. Uh, Noah? I'll go first. Yeah, so for Zerinsky, I'm going to go 4-0. I think we're going to blow him at the park. Yeah, I I think it's a must win. And we all know it's a must win. And we need to win big. Yep. Um, I think there'll be three uh, changes maximum. I think, obviously, uh, Duran will start and whoever else he wants to play. We'll do that, but I think it'll be a strong team, and I think we'll blow them out of the park as, as we've said a thousand times, must win. Yep. And every game at Villa Park's a big game. We don't like to lose there. So for that one, I'm gonna go four nil. Mm-hmm. And for Wolves away, um, I, I do like a two one prediction. So I'm gonna go two one for that one as well. Two one to Villa. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. One, one two, whatever you want to. All right. Well, uh Aman. Uh I reckon we'll win Europa League. Yeah, Europe Conference League, sorry. Uh, 5-1. Uh, the one goal being conceded because he decides to give Robin Olsen a second chance, <laughs> um, which I don't think, to be honest, if there's no need for Robin Olsen to play, he shouldn't play. No disrespect to Robin, but times he's played, he hasn't really performed well. But I reckon every... Will... I actually thought he was okay against Everton. I'm just going to say that was one of his better games. Even it, was. Though... it was one of his better games. Even though... Too... We lost, and it was uh, yeah. He still did a few things that made me pull my hair out. He made a couple of good saves, but continue. Five-one win, and I mean, I was thinking about this in the car today when we were talking about doing the pod. I mean, do we do we really, you know, predict that we're going to win every game? Like, is that the smart thing to do? Obviously, we we have a bit of a competition going on, so <laughs> going to be tactical. Not pre- not predict the loss, obviously, but I'm just saying one-one draw. Wow, that's interesting because I, I was going to predict a draw too in that game. And I, I'm still going to, and I, I was going to go 1-1 as well. So I'm going the same as Amar, 1-1 in the Wolves match. For Zerinsky, I'm going to say, ooh, I think it's going to be tight. I'm going to say 3-2 Villa. Yeah, I think is. it might be, because I think our defence... If there was changes, which I think there probably will be, I wouldn't make them in the defence, but I think that we could could be a little bit vulnerable. But I still think we'll get the win 3-2. All right. So, well, that's it for another week on Coup de Villa. Um, please like and subscribe as always. Tell a friend. Follow us over on Spotify. Give us the five-star ratings. We love it over there. Um, and, yeah, let us know. Um you know, in the comments, how you think we'll go in our predictions for the Europa League and for Wolves on the weekend. Do you think, um, you know, Ollie 
Consa Ramsey will be in the England squad. Uh, that's announced on Thursday, I think. So let us know how you, how you think uh, that'll go for Ollie, especially. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week. So up the villa and we will see you next Woo! week. Later. Up the villa.